Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Hello, everyone. Uh, you have uh, tuned into another episode of The Three Questions, and uh, I am talking today. I think you're the first person I've uh, that's been on this show that has a, a video game named after them. Oh, cool. That's pretty. That's pretty rare. <laughs> yeah. I, yes, I know that. I miss. I miss John Madden. He. I missed the window with him. I think all podcasts miss John Madden. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I'm talking to Tony Hawk today, um, who is around, and you have a documentary of your life coming out. That's kind of, uh, you're it, making the rounds. Yeah it's, yeah, it's not mine, but um, Sam Jones made it, and uh-huh. uh, it's on HBO called Until the Wheels Fall Off. But it's you, it's a documentary about It's, it's about, about me, you. yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. But when you say it's mine, it's not like I'm the one who controlled the narrative or put it together. Right, it's right. just more like, I was interviewed for it, he interviewed a bunch of people, and then Suddenly, my whole life was exposed for anyone to see on HBO. Are you ha- okay with it? Sure. You know, when you yeah, say, I, I mean, because you say that it's not yours, but I mean, you, you know, and that, that guy isn't going to make something where it's like Tony Hawk, the asshole, you know? Yeah. No, I don't. I, I, he never presented it at that angle. Um, <laughs> but it's just weird to, you know, I've never been one to really try to overshare or dig up my personal life at all and so it's all right there on screen yeah. that was a little you know it, it got a little tricky especially for my family yeah um but i had conversations with them before that and 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 they understood why did why did you do it that's a good question i think because i knew it was going to happen at some point anyway mm-hmm. with or without my involvement voice. yeah um and i had a few different offers to do it and they all seemed very cookie cutter mm-hmm. it's like this rise to fame and then you lost it and there's like the kind of behind the music type of sure, vibe and, sure um it all came crashing down yeah and then then this massive success and hooray and and i felt like skateboarding is much more nuanced than that than, mm-hmm. than a typical sports documentary mm-hmm. um and sam jones who i had worked with before just shooting f- photographs he approached me and he has a, a deep history with skating uh-huh. in the eighties when it was kind of the, the not cool thing to do. Right. And so I thought he'll have the best voice in terms of how skateboarding is. Yeah. And the most, most authentic. And, and so he approached me, it was almost five years ago and then kept kind of having false starts with funding. And then finally through COVID just said, let's just do it. But, you know, we're all sitting around, we can do it outdoors we can all get tested, all that stuff. And so we did. That, yeah. We shot all through COVID. Yeah. 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 
Are you happy with it? I mean, there are parts, uh, sure. of, it, are yeah. there parts of it that you're uncomfortable with. Uh, I, mean, I mean, a bit, just because it's you know, it's just not stuff I personal. expected to yeah. to share with everyone. But um, it's honest, yeah. and and yeah, and and also kind of came through the fire of my own demons, and so I feel pretty good about it. Yeah. Did it, is there any interviews in there where you're like where you kind of pissed at somebody? Because no, they, no, not no. at all. Oh, that's no. good. That's uh-huh. good. Now, when you say skateboarding is more nuanced than other sports, uh, could you explain that a little bit more? Well, I, I think it's more that you can't wholly categorize it as a sport. Yeah. It's very much a lifestyle, a culture, right. an art form. An art, yeah. Um, it's like and dance. Like so much of what it's, it is. Yeah, it's but, not but, part of a competition. But it's it is. Like videos it, it, but of, there is that element yeah. that is highly competitive. Yeah. It's in the Olympics now. Right. I mean, there are, there are superstar competitors. Yeah. But there are also people who are wildly successful that just skate that yeah. that show what they do produce content and you know and in other forums social media or whatever else um who are, who are, are revered in our world but mm-hmm. they're not competing they yeah. they just love it for what it provides them what do you think the percentage in you is between you know show person and competitor and has it and has it changed over the um, years um yeah i'd say it's i don't know that's a trick that's a good question i think more that when I started skating, the only way you could make any sort of success or have any success was to compete. Yeah. There were no other alternative ways to be known or to be recognized or to to have support. Which would be like YouTube channels exactly. and things like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, or or magazine coverage. But the magazines were only covering you if you were doing well in competition. Okay. They only wanted to show your photo if you got top three. And then maybe interview afterwards. But it was just more like that was the path to having any sort of success or name for yourself. So I was born in competition. So I did it for 20, almost 30 years. Yeah. And then through those times, I was doing a lot of other things like exhibitions and tours and we would go on the road. And and then I, I started to embrace that a lot more. And then when I finally made my formal exit from competition, I leaned into exhibition skating mm-hmm. and doing doing demonstrations. And um, so I guess that's where my focus is more now. But honestly, in recent years, it's just been more personal. It's been more like I want to keep progressing as much as I can at mm-hmm. my age. Yeah. And I will document that along the way. Yeah. But I'm not gunning to get out on the road anymore. Right, right. And what effect has had has age had on you? I know there you, there was like a pretty serious injury. I broke my femur a year ago, and then you kind of got back too fast. I right? got back too fast, and my bone never connected back to itself. Ooh. So I was, and that's a big one too. Yeah, that's a big bone to yeah, not yeah. have connect. I w- I literally didn't have a leg to stand on, <laughs> but I was in denial for almost seven months, maybe eight months of that. It's just gonna it's gonna reconnect. It's gonna happen, and so right. I just kept. I kept skating. I kept doing stuff in great pain. And then at some point got x-rays and realized that it had moved further away from itself. Jesus. Over the, over the course of. Like actually like further from each other laterally? Yeah. Or just laterally. Or, oh, wow. Yeah. They were, they were, it was on top of each other. Then it moved sideways and then it just kept moving sideways. Wow. And then I started to get this sort of bow-legged limp going and then. And you were walking around. You I was walking around, but it, but I just, like I said, I was in denial. I was limping around. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, finally went to a specialist and he said, oh, this is what they call a non-union fracture. Uh-huh. It's, it's not going to reconnect unless we actually physically reset it, put new hardware in. 
and he had a master. He had a plan of action that was seemed so matter of fact. Yeah, that I I had surgery the next week. Oh wow! And I have been on the right path to recovery ever since. Right, and now right. I'm back on my skateboard. I'm skating normally. I'm walking normally. Was that? Did you have like one of those halos? One of those things with pins on no, the outside? No, no, no. It was all interior. It's yeah. all interior. Yeah. So yeah. I have a big uh, what they call a, a nail. I have a big nail yeah. going through both of my wow pieces. But now it's I have one bone finally. Yeah. <laughs> Success. Was that ego? Was that ego that kept you from? Um, y- yeah. I think if you ask my wife, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, or or uh, stubbornness, obsession. Yeah. But also I had, I think what it was that I had a few events scheduled that were in the foreseeable future. And I kept thinking, I'm going to get to that event. I'm going to, mm. I'm going to be in skating mode by then. Yeah. Which was unrealistic. Right. But I kind of heard what I wanted to hear from the experts. They said, oh, well, six weeks, your bone will be healed. Six weeks. That's it. Six weeks. I'm back. You know, my bone is <laughs> biggest bone in my body. This six weeks is just not realistic. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't. It was, it, was it partly that you didn't want to let the people down or these bookings that you had made? Was that part of it or was it more just? Um, that was part of it. But also I, I thought I had something to prove that I could just get back at, you know, that I'm going to defy yeah. my age. I'm going to defy yeah, yeah. expectations and I'm going to do it. And, and it was my mistake. I accept it. And I'm just so thankful to live in this age of modern medicine yeah. that I had a second chance. Right. How has age limit limited your performance as a, as a skater? I mean, has it, um, are there certain things you just know, like I'm not as flexible? Yeah. And, you know, that, and also just that I don't want to risk. Yeah. I mean, there, there are things that I could probably do still. Yeah. But the risk to reward isn't there for me anymore. And, and yeah. the risk is great. Yeah. So even though people, I'd say from an outside perspective, people see what I do and they're like, he's crazy. He rides these, 14 foot ramps and he's doing aerial stuff. But, but what I'm doing is so much more tame than what I used to do. And I'm fully confident with it. I'm comfortable with it. And so I, I kind of have found the space to live in where I'm happy with, with what I do professionally at my age, but I'm not moving the needle for skateboarding in general. When you do hurt yourself, uh, because I'm just curious because I know, I, I mean, I'm not in, in very good shape. I've been in better shape than I have now, but I know that just the striking difference, the length of recovery, just, you know, when for me, it was always in my line of work, it was like doing pratfalls and, you know, and I, you know, like falling downstairs for a laugh. Like I used to do that when I was like in my early twenties, like literally fall downstairs for a laugh, get up and be fine. You know, maybe like, oh, I got a bruise on my back. But then, you know, there was just a couple times when I was like, oh, yeah, I can do that kind of flat face fall and break my fall with my arms. And then like, oh, now I got a sore elbow for two months. You yeah. know, is it the same thing? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, for it's, it's the same thing. But but I guess it's more that it wasn't something that happened all of a sudden. Yeah. It's been it's been happening over the years. But also I, I, I learned to live with a sort of low lying level of pain. Oh, really? And knowing that that's what I endure to be able to do this for a living. Yeah, and, yeah. and I'm okay with that. Like yeah. it, it was never, it was never that, oh, this getting old sucks and my back hurts. And it right. was like, yeah, my neck's super stiff, but I can get back out there. Yeah. And was that something just because of what you did? And I mean, it, I imagine like even in your youth, when you were like number one for all those years in a row, I imagine 
but just falling is part of it. Like falling is, spills is, is just is that's a for fact everybody. Of life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and is that where the pain comes from? Is uh, there like the pain comes chronic from, from the, the pain comes from unexpected falls. So I see. we fall a lot intentionally. Yeah, where I know something is a little off, and then I just toss my board and I either knee slide or run, and and I know that. I can get out of that safely. It's more when you think something's everything's okay. Yeah. Until it's not. Yeah. And you find yourself, like I did, sliding across the bottom of a ramp with your leg pointing the other direction. Ugh. <laughs> it's more like that. So yeah. those those unexpected falls. And I'd say the one that has gotten me the most chronically is my neck. Mm. Because a lot of sort of whiplash motions and so my neck's super stiff. It's yeah, like yeah. When people call me from over to the side, like something wrong with your neck. Yeah. <laughs> Decades of whiplash. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And you wear a helmet now, right? Did you always wear a helmet? Uh, well, yes, but but also because what I my discipline is is the ramp and the pool yeah. skating and it's just it would be careless to not yeah. wear a helmet when you're flying around, yeah, yeah. you know, 20 feet up and stuff. Um and also I came from the generation that was skate park oriented and skate parks the pads were mandatory. Yeah. So you know, good. there's a whole generation <laughs> know, of kids. Well, there's a whole generation of skaters that they grew up on the streets, and there's no, you know, they, they they didn't go. There were no skate parks. Yeah. So they just had to make do, and yeah. so that's just not really their vibe. And there was no rule. There was no. There was no rule, right? Yeah. But, there was no nobody but for could what sue I do, anybody. For what I do, it's mandatory. It's yeah. Still, I, I consider it mandatory. Yeah, because I see like some of those videos, especially where people are, I don't know, they must be in Malibu or something, go down, going down mountain roads it looks like 40 miles an hour no pads right. whatsoever oh it's like it, it hurts just to watch it just from <laughs> yes. the potential of it emmy award-winning john mulaney presents everybody's in la a special run of six live episodes created by and starring mulaney that'll stream live on netflix during the netflix is a joke fest the comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Can't you tell my love's a crow? Well, you, of course, are... A Californian. Yes. And when you were coming up, uh, you're from San Diego. I, I'm telling you that. Um, when you were coming up, was it all pretty much California kids? It was mostly, but because, so I, I started skating in the in the late 70s, early 80s. 
And that was the explosion of skate parks. And mm -hmm. most of the skate parks were in Southern California. Yeah. Um, but there were pockets of other skate scenes in places like Texas, in Florida, in New York. But most of the industry was here. Yeah. The, the magazines, the skate companies. And um, I just got, I mean, I got lucky that, that this is the hub. Yeah. I w I've always wondered with something like, you know, with something that's a relatively new thing that's now an art form, a sport, an industry, a, you know, how did, like, who are the first people that are like, I'm going to be a businessman in this thing? <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? I yeah. Mean, because, and you've become a businessman yeah. in this thing. How, how does that go from being like just good at riding up a ramp and, and doing twists <laughs> well, my, to like knowing what to do in a boardroom? I think my, my path was more out of desperation, but um, with, yeah, I mean, with the originators of, of skate business, it was really surf shops. Yeah. It was certain, like the Dogtown and Z-Boys area. They thought, you know, that was, those were the surfers in Venice Beach. And then they started skating as an extension of surfing. Then they yeah. started skating empty swimming pools during the big California drought. Yeah. And then it was like, well, we sell surfboards. Let's make skateboards. Yeah. So I guess that was sort of their, their path. Mine was more, it was the late 90s. Skating kind of took a downturn in popularity. My style of skating was, was very unpopular, which was half pipe skating. Why? Why? Um, because all the parks were closed. Oh. And then kids were taken to the streets. And, and that was a whole new style and discipline. Yeah. Um, I did it, but I, I wasn't at the, you know, I wasn't the, the innovator of that. Mm -hmm. So it was more like people weren't paying attention to what I was doing in the streets. I see. And then I thought, I want to, I'm going to have to, I have to find a job. That was my, that was my mindset. Yeah. And I took a, <laughs> I, I took the equity out from my house and I started a skate company thinking that was my transition from be, being a pro skater to being a company owner. Uh huh. And so it was more that I wanted to be in the industry. I love skateboarding so much. And then I thought I can foster a team. Like I have a good eye for talent. Yeah. I picked a bunch of riders. It was, it was kind of a diverse mix. And then we just, we just set out to make a skateboard company. And at some point my partner who, also put up money for the for the company he said i think you're more effective as a skater for this company than as a advertising director team manager whatever i i, I wore yeah. all the hats yeah yeah sure and uh i agree with him yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now you just get to skate and you know yeah i mean i'm, I'm, and get I'm told more, whether you're doing good or bad mm -hmm. uh, i I'm, I'm definitely a big part of the business decisions yeah. and i've learned to navigate that world better yeah so um I bet it's, is, was it intimidating? Like, was it, did you feel, I mean, I don't know what, you know, whether yeah, you ever it, took it, any business classes in school. No, but. it was, it, I, well, luckily my partner, that was his, he, he had a business degree. Yeah. So I let him do all that stuff. And yeah, then yeah. at some point I started to understand more of the world sure. because I was doing other sort of bigger endorsements and working with big companies. And so I started to understand kind of how all that works. Yeah. And then eventually I bought him out of uh, Birdhouse and took it on my own. But it was more once I established that, okay, I know enough about this that right. I can do it. Is it true kind of that you turned to skateboarding just because you were so rambunctious? Uh, I mean, the, the actual, <laughs> the actual uh, phrase hyperactive is in my, is in my notes. Yeah, I think, I think it, would, it would be some other diagnosis these days. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was, that was the official diagnosis in the yeah. 70s, right? Were um, you just like a kid that wouldn't stop? I was just, yeah, I was just always 
always active and yeah. and and all and daredevil for the most part where yeah. you know i was a little kid going off the high dive and we used to ride bmx and i wanted to go ride the crazy dirt trails and go down the big hills and stuff and so um i uh it, when i found skateboarding it was like this is it yeah this this is all the elements of all the things that i love and what age is this uh, I was about 10. About 10? Yeah. And yeah. then I was playing basketball. I was playing baseball. I was doing okay, but I was, I can't say that I was ever, I, I was not going to be, fir- I was never yeah. going to be first pick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, and I never felt like I was improving at any sort of rate that I could measure. Yeah. And then I found skating and every time I went skating, I learned something new, some little technique or trick. Yeah. But it was like, oh, every time I go, I'm doing better. And and then at some point, my my dad, who was our little league coach, was appointed the president of the little league, and that was the year I quit. Oh wow! So that was an awkward conversation. <laughs> <laughs> just when he's yeah, just when he's in his glory. You know? Yeah, I mean, he was understanding because he he was right there with me. He's the one yeah. driving me to the skate park. But at one point, I was I didn't want to leave the skate park, and my mom came to pick me up. To because go to to go to baseball practice, and I and out of protest, I walked into baseball practice with my skate pads on, and it was like, <laughs> this is the end. Wow, they were understanding generally, though. I mean, they, they oh, absolutely, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were there. They, it was you know, it was more, it was more like follow through. But then, right. my, my dad saw what it brought to me and and how much I loved it, and, and truly that I was progressing at it. Yeah, um, he was very supportive. Was there ever any kind of you know, because like. You know, there can be, you know, like skateboarding hoodlums, you know, like your kids, sure. you know, uh, was there any, did they ever have any concerns about that, that you were out there, you know, no, getting because, high with those ruffians? Um, no, my, my mom was always so welcoming. She saw that skateboarding was this band of misfits. Yeah. And a lot of their parents discouraged them from skating because of those reasons you yeah. said, or because they just weren't supportive at all. Yeah. And so and that's, she, uh, that's the don't get it. It's like it still was relatively new sure, as, a, as yeah. a thing to do. It certainly isn't little league, you know. No, but but there was there was the the punk element too, and yeah. so yeah, people had crazy hair and and they they just had a different attitude. It was just more more renegade, more do it yourself, and yeah, um, and that didn't that didn't jive with more mainstream sports. So, but my mom was always very welcoming of all yeah. those, of of that crew, and so. I understood I understood that perspective, but at the same time, when you lived it, you just saw a bunch of artists. Yeah. You just were there with a bunch of creative people that didn't care what anyone else thought. And yeah. I respected that. Did you have like a, was there someone that kind of was a mentor or taught you or did you just kind of, was it like just a bunch of kids learning from each other? Yeah, we were all just throwing anything against the wall to yeah. see what would stick in terms of learning tricks and things. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I definitely took inspiration from the older pros mm-hmm. to see what what they were doing or what, what tricks were coming down the pipe and then i'd say that the the one the, the person who taught me the most through the through my formative years was stacy peralta mm-hmm. he is the one who formed the bones brigade team yeah and he was helpful because he had already lived that life of a pro skater in the 70s yeah and navigated strange situations he never expected to be in Mm -hmm. and then went on to become a part company owner. And so when we were faced with these, these opportunities, but also just kind of challenges, 
he could help us in what we choose to do and and what and and how we how we proceed and he really gave us incredible opportunities that we wouldn't have had if he wasn't there i mean because of him we got to be the stunt crew in police academy 4 <laughs> which at the time was huge right right when when did you start to really know that you were good like good enough to do it for a living that's well that's weird because I guess I, I knew that I had something when Stacy Peralta showed interest in me mm-hmm. because I was I was younger than the rest of the team that he had put together, and also my style, which was not, it wasn't developed, mm-hmm. and I was doing all these little weird tricks. People call me a circus circus act because of the tricks I was doing. So that that wasn't a compliment. That were your own design and yeah, know, but yeah, they yeah. were just weird little board turns and yeah. things. And I, and I didn't really have the strength to go high. Yeah. So I was not well received. Yeah. And when Stacy showed interest in me, I was like, Whoa, what you like that guy? Yeah. You know, I was just honored that he said, hello, I knew my name. Yeah. And then eventually put me on the team. And then I think that's when I realized that I have, must have something. Yeah. And I think that I, I learned a lot through those, probably that first year of being at the Mons Brigade, I forced myself to get as good as I thought he saw me as. Do you know Mm. what I mean? Uh, Sure, sure. It was more like, I have to justify that he believes in me, so I've got to get this good. And what age is this? Like 13, 12, 13. Now, how do you go to school? Like, how do you work, like... Well, that's the thing. Skating just wasn't cool, so I would go away. But I mean, how do you, like... But if you know, like, okay, I'm good enough at this to be doing this at age 13. But there was, there was no, okay, so when I got sponsored by Pal, I was 12, 13. There's no contract. There's no money in it. Oh, I see. You know, skating is still a very small industry. Yeah. And and if I go to school and say, hey, I'm, I'm part of the Bones Brigade. I'm sponsored. They're like, that's is- like saying... I got sponsored for my yo-yo skills. Yeah. <laughs> it just didn't make any difference to them. I'm on the them. Duncan team. So, yeah, it was yeah, it, yeah. exactly. So um, that probably would have been cooler <laughs> to say that. Right, right, you know? right. I'm sponsored by Frisbee. We can at least do it in the classroom. You yeah. Know? yeah. Um, so that just, it didn't matter. And then, But then it wasn't until when I was in my later years of high school, 16, 17, that I actually did start to make money. And that's when I started to realize that, oh, this is a career. Yeah. Because everyone else, my classmates are trying to figure out what are they going to study? What what college are they going to go to? And I was yeah. like, I'm already making more than my teacher. Yeah. And I bought a house when I was a senior. Wow. So it was more like- For yourself or for your family? For myself. Yeah. Wow. So my dad were... had to co-sign because I was only 17. <laughs> wow. That's incredible. But, but yeah, but I mean, and and your parents are like they're so there was no college. College was never even. They they encouraged me to go to college. They were worried that skateboarding would be short lived, and in its own way, it was um, the first time around. Yeah, but I think it was more that look, I can go to. I went and looked at colleges. Not that I was going to go to some you know established you know four year university or anything. But yeah, I went and looked at college, and then so but but if I do that, I can't go on this tour. I yeah, can't, yeah. I can't go to Europe for six weeks. I can't go on these other things and, and chase this career. Right. And at some point, I think it was right out of high school. Um, I got a, I got a part in a movie because I was skating, but also I was like one of the principal characters, kind of, uh, gleaming the cube. Uh huh. And I think that was probably the, 
what my parents needed to see uh, where it was like, okay, he has this career. Who knows how far he can take it, but yeah. let's let him go with it. Yeah. That's good. Now you say it was kind of odd. Is there a point at which it becomes cool? You know, I mean, is there, I think that I, I would where, say where it sort of start makes a difference in your, uh, love life, you know, where it's like, yeah, I would say in the, in more like the late eighties. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, back to the future was a big boost for skateboarding. Oh really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, that, I wouldn't even have thought of that. that scene when, you know, when he invents the skateboard for the most part, takes yeah, the yeah. handles off of the scooter, yeah. um, affected a lot of people where they went out and bought skateboards. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy the way things like that happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, um, you, I mean, how long, how often, 12 years in a row, you were the world champion. What, I mean, what, what is your life like at that point? I mean, um, does, it, uh, does it mess with your head in any way? Uh, I would say it, it, not in the sense of, of uh, that I was self-important, more that it started to drain on me the pressure of, mm. of keeping that, that winning streak going. Oh. That, that got really difficult for me and, and made me quit uh, competing altogether for a little while. Wow. Um, because it was just, it became very formulaic. I would go to an event. I'd, I'd have to practice new tricks away from my competitors and away from the judges. So they, yeah. So that the judges don't judge me on what they think I can do. I see. And it wasn't even about comparing me to everyone else. It was more like we're comparing him to himself. Yeah. And, and that got draining. My competitors saw me as sort of separate from them. And I just wanted to be in the mix. Yeah. Like I enjoyed the camaraderie, but they kind of put me on this, this other plane and, and I didn't enjoy it. Like it was, it was very isolating. And at some point I lost interest in competing and I had to tell my sponsor that this is, I don't want to do it like this anymore. And they're like, well, how do you expect to make a living if you're not competing? Yeah. So well, we make videos, right? And they're like, yeah, but no one wants to see you unless you're in the competitions. And that's very much how it was back then. Yeah. Um, so I pulled back from competing for about a year and came back to it with a, with a sense of, I guess, like less pride where it was, I was, I was happy to go out and put everything on the line. And if it didn't work out, I'm not going to place well. Mm -hmm. But if it did work out, then it's the best I could have possibly done. Right. And I was very, that was liberating. Yeah. It was like I, the, the, the idea that I was allowed to lose. Yeah. Was so relieving. Yeah. Um, I guess the irony was that when I did come back to it, it was right when skateboarding took another dive. <laughs> so I was killing it in yeah. the competitions. Yeah. And there's no one around. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was like, what happened to the crowds? Where yeah. did everyone go? How long was the time off in that span? About a year. About a year. Yeah. Did you ever think about just like not trying as hard? Or was that just not in your, you know, when you're going yeah, through the string to, of I had 12 to, I had to put it all out row. there. Yeah. I had to put it all out every yeah, yeah. time. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, that was probably, uh, that was a big reason why I, I suffered a few injuries is just because I had to do the best I could possibly do it, at every turn. Like even, even the smallest exhibition in the early 90s when we're going to a parking lot of a strip mall skate shop and they got a bunch of shitty little ramps. Yeah. I'm going to do everything I can. Yeah. I'm, I'm th th leaving it all behind. Right, right. Does, uh, and is that just, uh, that was always in you? Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
are you like that only in skateboarding or are there other parts of your life where you just are you a perfectionist um, in different areas? I uh <laughs> I I guess that depends on who you ask. <laughs> I <laughs> probably I I think I think just I have I want to finish what I started in every sense. Yeah. Yeah, but um but I've learned to especially with skating just do enough that it's like I'm not going to kill myself doing this yeah but i am gonna do it in a in an advanced way yeah um and that was hard that was hard to to accept yeah to come what, to terms with what what was like the thing that you look back on now and going from you know being just a kid skateboarding to being tony you know like the guy the you know the 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 number one what was the craziest thing that you did like that you look back and kind of cringe about um any maseratis and driven <laughs> driven into hotel lobbies or anything like that uh nothing like that i think that i got caught up in the celebrity aspect mm -hmm. on my sort of second go around of fame yeah. where things got bigger than i ever i ever imagined it could ever be this is after that one year break coming back or this is after this is like we're fast forwarding like 10 years. Oh, like oh right. Because you were off for you were off for a number of years. Um, I was back. skating all through the the 90s and the mid-90s, but yeah. there was just no there was no scene. I see. And then um the X Games came around, that started to get big. Our yeah. video game series was was hugely successful. And yeah. it was around that time when suddenly I was thrust into the spotlight in a way that was sort of unparalleled for skaters. Mm-hmm. And then I got caught up in it where it was like, oh, movie premieres and red carpet and this trip and this. And then it was like, and I just lost myself in it. Yeah. Um, and and in the adulation and everything. And that that was probably what I cringed most about because I missed I, I missed um, my kids growing up in a lot of ways. Oh, like, really? You know, in, in, I was there for sure, but but I could have been much more present. Yeah. Yeah. Do you talk about that with them now? Sure. Or, yeah. 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 And I mean, do they... Do they agree or do they think, no, um, you were fine, you know? I'm asking for no, myself. No, I think, I think it was more <laughs> that they they understood. They Especially, honestly, after that documentary came out, they understood it in, in a much deeper way. Oh, wow. Um, but they they saw that I got caught up in it. And, and also, you know, I had different partners and other people coming into their lives. And it just wasn't really, I, I, I wasn't being fair to them. Yeah, we just not a constant present, just kind of. Yeah, yeah. But, but. Uh, I I figured it out before it was too late. Yeah. Well, that's good. I hope. <laughs> Ask them <laughs> if you want verification on that. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. 
Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Um, was there a lot, I mean, did you encounter a lot of envy among other skateboarders? I mean, was it? Um, I, I don't know about envy. I mean, it definitely, there were accusations that, well, when my dad was involved, there were accusations of favoritism. Um, and then later on, it was. What do you mean when your dad was involved? My dad was involved with some of the, um, organizations of the events. Oh, I the see. Organization of the events in the eighties. I see. Um, because there was no organization. I no, see. There was no. And he'd already run a little league. That's exactly yeah, it. Come yeah. on, let me let him yeah. in there too. So, I I I endured that, but then he passed away. And then um, when the X Games came through, they were focusing on me heavily. I think mostly because I had a name recognition that carried through from the eighties, mm-hmm. but also because I was doing well in those events too. And I think that there were. Um, you know, some of the competitors were just like, oh, it's the Tony Hawk show. Yeah. And they were over it. And I understand. Yeah, like, I, yeah. I wasn't trying to get all the attention. Yeah. It was just that when I was skating, the cameras are pointing at me. Did And, and you, you mentioned a little bit before. I mean, do you feel like you kind of missed out on the camaraderie? Because yes. It definitely. Very much know, so. It's an yep. individual sport, but it definitely seems like there's yeah. a lot of. Yeah, you I would know, say, especially, decor, in, especially in those 80s when I was kind of expected and putting all that pressure on myself to to constantly do well and win. Yeah. I did not feel like I was part of the crew. Yeah. And the crew was so cool. They were so fun. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was just, it was, I do, when I look back on it, I was like, man, I wish I would have been like really hanging out with those guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, To an extent, because some of them kind of, Went off the rails. Right, 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 right. Well, did you make that known at the time? I mean, did you ever be like, hey, fellas, you know? I think I was so hyper fixated on the skating that I I had tunnel vision. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you weren't number one anymore, how hard was that? Or had you been so used to it that you were kind of, well, like you said, you know, you had, uh, you were giving yourself the permission to lose. Yeah. I mean, was it still, you know, was that still that kind of, you know, um, fighting eye of the tiger thing? Yeah, still there? I think that, that that carried through, especially w- with that sort of second second coming of of, of yeah. my not my skating, but but the, the skating's popularity in the late nineties, early two thousands. Um, yeah, for sure, I was I was of the same mindset where I was just like, all right, I'm gonna. I'm going to focus in. I'm going to do the, you know, I have all the, I have a lot, I had strategy in competition and a lot of skaters, they just, they just throw it out there. Yeah. Whatever comes, comes. And, and, um, I always wanted to be a little more calculated, but, uh, but yeah, I think so. And then for me, uh, in 1999, I had already sort of decided subconsciously that I didn't want to compete anymore. Mm -hmm. And I knew that that, sort of chapter of my life was going to come to an end, even though I was still doing well and, and I was getting a lot of endorsements and things. I just, it was, I was burning out. I had done, yeah. done it 20 years by yeah. then. And that was the year that um, I finally did a 900 and that was the, the big um, X Games best trick event. And I didn't realize it at the time, but then I, afterwards I thought, oh, that was my exit from competition. Yeah. Like that's, that's the best moment I could possibly hope for. Yeah. And it came spontaneously. 
And that was a good out. <laughs> wow. When, I mean, explain for people what a, I mean, it's a, the revolutions, what a 900 is. Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's basically a two and a half somersault in the air on your skateboard. You leave the ramp and spin around two and a half times and come back down the same side of the ramp. Yeah. And when you say that, I mean, had you done it before? You, no. Before you did it in competition? No, uh -huh. And you weren't, were you thinking, I'm going to spin around two and a half times? Or uh, did well, you just over rotate and pull it <laughs> off, you know? I mean... The evolution of that was uh, in 1985, there was a trick called a McTwist. I didn't admit that. Uh, it, Mike McGill did. He had made that up the year before, and it's a one and a half spin. And so I was skating this ramp that was actually a lot bigger than most ramps in that time, but it allowed you to get more airtime. Yeah. And I figured out how to spin 720 on that ramp. And then the next stage of that would be with the 900, but, but the 900 is a big step forward because you are blind to your landing zone twice. Uh, and that changes everything yeah. in terms of your comfortability and also just your spatial awareness. Like everything is, it, it just changes. Right. So, and your chance of being horribly injured too. Are very know? good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I started trying it a few years later but I just couldn't figure out the right spinning technique. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, I would say somewhere around 1994, I started to get a little better at it and actively try. Yeah. And then I got hurt uh, in 1996. I broke a rib when I finally tried to make it. I, was, I had all the pieces, oh, I thought, and I put it on the wall and then I was leaning too far forward and I broke a rib. And uh. it, that was sort of like, okay, maybe it's not possible. Right. Um, and there were a few other people trying it. So fast forward to that X Games, I only had one trick in mind to do that was my best trick at the time, not a 900. It was, yeah. a, it was a version of a 720. And I made that halfway into the event. So I had nowhere to go. Right. And then the, the on-site announcer who, had, who was a skater and knew my history, was like, let's see one of those 900 attempts. He literally said that. And, and I thought to myself, oh man, like... <laughs> Not that trick Sorry, again. Sorry, rib. And then I <laughs> I tried it, and around my third or fourth attempt, I really tried it just to show the crowd what an attempt would look like. Yeah. And then somewhere around the third or fourth attempt, there was something clicked that I was getting a consistent spin. I was getting a consistent speed, and that had not happened before. It was usually like one out of five attempts where all systems go. Uh -huh. This was every time I did it, everything was working. Yeah. And so around the eighth or ninth attempt, I just tried to make it again. I thought, if I'm going to break my rib again, it might as well be in this scenario. Yeah. And I did the same thing. I fell forward, but I was okay. I see. And so then on my next attempt, I figured out how to shift my weight more to my back foot mid-spin. Yeah. Which was the, that was it. That was the, that was the tipping point. Yeah. And literally a tipping point. Yeah. And then when I came down, I fell backwards. And so when I fell backwards, I thought, oh, just split the difference. Yeah, yeah. And I made the next one. Wow. Um, and that was, I mean, it, th that, that night, you know, in terms of the sort of the excitement level and, and for me, the obsession of that trick, I was yeah. either going to make it that night or they were going to have to take me out in an ambulance. Yeah. Like there was no just, there was no quitting. Uh-huh. And when, now this trick, when you're, tr when you're attempting this over all those years, are you with other people or are you trying to keep it secret? No, we were doing it. Like it, I think that there's a, there's a 
false narrative that we were all trying in secret. We're trying to be the first. And, and there were only, I mean, at that time, there were only a handful of actual vert half pipes. Yeah. So the vert skaters were all skating. Yeah, yeah. We're all yeah. skating together. And, and there were actually other events that happened prior to X games that were, they had a 900 challenge at one event mm. where they, there was a half pipe that they were doing some exhibitions on, but then the shoe company said, okay, we're given 10 grand to whoever can do a 900. And so there were about five of us that were just trying it yeah. aimlessly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we didn't make it that night. <laughs> now, is that is that something, because I don't know that much about, is that something now that a lot of people can do? No, no. Um, but, but they have gone further. So now that we have the bigger ramps and we have a new generation that, that has come through skateboarding, yeah. knowing that 900s are possible. Right. Um, Tom Shar, who's a, a, one of the best vert skaters in the world, he did a 1080 when he was young. Wow. Um, and then uh, Mitchie Brusco, who is a young, and they're young, they're, they're all close to 30 now, but yeah. <laughs> um, he did a 1260. Oh, wow. And no one, I mean, a couple of people did 1080s. I would say about maybe 10 people have done 900s. Yeah. Three people did 1080s. One person has done a 1260. Wow. That's where we're at. And is, what what's going to limit it? I mean, you said, you know, the ramps are higher. Is there any difference in technology? Or is it just um, people being brave enough to know that it's possible well, I think to that, have the mindset? I think that something comes with knowing that this is possible when you've already started. Yeah. That someone has already reached this goal. So you can get there. Mm -hmm. I, that That's helped me in the past, mm -hmm. but also that the resources, I mean, now you can try your first 900 into a foam pit. Mm. Lucky kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't have any foam pits. <laughs> I had hard concrete. Do you, yeah, you should, you should hang around the foam pit and just tell those kids, you're a bunch <laughs> of wusses. I did try, I tried to learn variations of the 900 into foam pits, but it didn't work out for me. Uh, in what way? You just? Uh, like a different grab. Yeah, yeah. You know, or or different style yeah. doing it. And and even though I maybe could land one in the phone pit, I could never translate that to the actual I ramp. see, I see. Um, you've been doing this for so long and you're still, you know, you're still going and doing it and, you know, with a broken freaking femur. Um, are there ever any days where you're like, eh, just enough skateboarding, you know? <laughs> I mean, like- maybe, maybe for the day, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't see that. I don't see that in terms of an ultimatum. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. And uh, don't you have a son that's a professional skateboarder? My oldest son. Yeah. Your oldest son now. Uh -huh. And, um, I mean, was there advice uh, advice that you could impart to him or did you kind of just leave it to him? Uh, to sure. Yeah, I was able to. I think, I think it's more how he navigates the career of it that yeah. he's asked for my advice in the past, sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. early on when he was very little, I was teaching him the basics of skating. Right. And then at some point, I, I actually remember this day because he started to get he started to get more advanced and his his style of skating is more street oriented. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of board flipping and and grinding on ledges and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And I remember him, I mean, this is for this is for skaters only, but I remember him asking me, Hey dad, can you do a, a kickflip to frontside tail slide? Uh, or no, he's asked me, how do, how do you do a kickflip frontside tail slide? And I was like, Riley, I'm honored you asked me that, but I can't do that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that you're even considering learning that means yeah. that you're on your own. Right. You've reached a different stage. And how old is he at this point then? Uh, probably 
about 11 or 12. Wow. And yeah. then that was the moment where I was like, oh, he's just got his own thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and he has taken it ever since. Like he's, you know, he does some fascinating. Is that things. really a moment of pride? Like, is it it's really cool. about yeah. as close as he could, you know? Get, you know. It's, I mean, it, it's really cool, but it's also, I think, I think th there was a lot of pressure on him uh, having, have, obviously having the name Hawk. Yeah. And people just already expecting him or that somehow this has all been given to him. Mm -hmm. And he came out of it proving himself as truly an innovative and and skilled skater. Yeah. Do you, do you worry about him getting hurt? I mean, is, I, I mean, mean he's, he's gotten hurt through his life. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, but is it something where it, you know, it, where it's like really bothers you? Because I imagine um, it was rough on your parents to... Yeah. See you fall. You it know? was, but also it was the 70s and 80s. And just like, you know, oh, he rang his bell. <laughs> you <laughs> oh, know right. what I mean? Yeah, was it was it taking so football seriously. practice. You got yeah. your bell rung. Yeah, you like, got your bell oh, rung. You mean a concussion. Okay, well, sit, yeah, out, for, yeah. sit out for a few minutes <laughs> yeah. and then we'll come back yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I think it was more seeing him. He had a, a, a string of ankle injuries mm. that were really that were really debilitating and he, he had to have a couple surgeries and um, broke his collarbone and I was there for that. And, and so he's definitely had his share, but, but I, but I do think he has a good sense of his own limitations mm. and, and mortality Yeah, and having other children and other boys, especially I've seen that not all of them have a great sense of self-preservation. Uh, <laughs> yeah, some of them are downright dumb about it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> or just, uh, there's no sense of consequence. Right, right. There's yeah. just, I'm going to jump off the roof. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, are all, are, do you have any kids that were kind of like, eh, about skating? Um, my daughter is the only one who dabbled in it and then, and just, then just was, it wasn't for it. her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, she, she had a, I think it was more that she was enjoying it and she was getting pretty good, especially yeah. for her age. And then at some point she looked around and was like, none of my friends skate and I only skate with my dad. You know, and it, it was more like, I'm going to go play lacrosse. <laughs> That's yeah. what she does now. I'm going to be with my own age yeah. group. How old is she now? She's 14. 14, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's a pretty wicked sport too. There's a lot of mashed teeth in that. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's not. That's not. Yeah, she's that is not soft. Nothing so far, precious. but she's enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. Well, what I mean is there stuff? Is there things ahead of you that you you know that you want to do that you know you know now you have a documentary about you, which I'm sure was a big goal <laughs> all your for your whole life. You know, um, are there things that that you know you haven't conquered that that still kind of are there? I honestly, trying to get back on my skateboard to a level that I am proud of has been the biggest challenge mm -hmm. over the last year. And- Just from the leg. Just from the leg, yeah. yeah because, I, because I had a false start with it. My bone never connected and then had it reset. And finally, now I'm on the path to a f more or less a full recovery. Yeah. But I would like to get back to at least a level of skating that I feel like I'm proud of that is worthy of a professional. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to last forever, but I do feel like I'm capable of that. And so my goals are never, I don't have some great long-term aspirations. Yeah. Um, I, I want to keep promoting skate parks through our foundation uh, and, and helping to uh, build skate parks in underserved areas. Mm -hmm. So that's close to my heart. In fact, uh, 
Uh, soon I'm going to a skate park that we helped to fund in the Navajo Nation. Oh, wow. Um, we're going to go to the grand opening and I'm very excited about that. Oh, so that's great. To, to do things like that and to, to help to help bring those types of facilities to kids all over, that that's probably closest to my heart. Yeah. If, if the, you know, if you don't get to that, you know, you say you want to get back to that level that you feel, you know, yeah. kind of, if, if it doesn't happen, I mean, have you thought about what happens if it doesn't happen? Sure. I've had the last year to realize yeah, what, yeah. what that looks like. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, it would, yeah, it would, it would be more that I'd, I'd find something, some other outlet at least for really? my creativity yeah. or for my exercise. And, um, this last year has, has given me a lot of perspective in terms of just being there for our family. Yeah. Um, and not that I was chasing every opportunity, but I had a lot more opportunity to skate um, and to skate in public. And yeah. I don't need that necessarily to thrive. I see. I mean, because I imagine your life has always involved lots of travel and that's got to yeah. be hard yeah, to keep never, a continuity that was not what I When I was a kid, I, I was... You know, even going to Florida was weird. Yeah. Like the the food is, the weather is weird. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. I was not some kid that was like, had wanderlust. And I was like, I got to go see the world. It was yeah. just more like, this is scary. Yeah, yeah. Europe, they don't have ice. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, um, Are you still that way? Or no, no, you, no. You, I, learned yeah. to, I learned to appreciate all that because yeah. I realized at some point that very few people get these opportunities yeah. and, and I should look around a little bit. Yeah. And in those early days, like it was just, it was skate parks and hotels yeah, and driving. And that was it. And that's yeah. all I really cared about. Right. And now it's like, what, I'm going to Chicago? I want to go to Alinea. I want to go, you know, I want to go see the world and experience the cultures. And, yeah, yeah. And, you know, how it, I, I got to do the, the first skate demo in India. Wow. And it, was, it, it wasn't like that was for the money. It was just like, hey, you, here's an opportunity. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Sign me up. Have you been all over the globe? I mean, are there uh, continents pretty much, you yeah. haven't been to or... I don't think so. No. Wow. That's no, amazing. I, mean, I, I did a I, I did a whole skate thing in Sierra Leone. Oh wow. <laughs> wow. Well, in Ethiopia. <laughs> Ethiopia actually has like a, a thriving skate scene. Oh wow. Who would have known? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, what do you what do you think you know, after doing this for so long? How many years have you been skating? Uh <laughs> good question. Um, 40 plus. Wow. Do you know anybody else who's been doing it that long and still actively skating as uh, long as Well, you? one of my best friends, Kevin Staub, yeah. He's still, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Steve Caballero, yeah. uh, who was the up-and-coming uh, star amateur when I, was, when I first got on the scene. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I took a lot of inspiration from him because he was small for his age, and so was I. And I saw these photos of him flying in magazines, and I was like— you can do that when you're little. I want to do that. <laughs> Seems like when you're little would be a good, you know, a good Yeah, time. but you don't have the strength really see, to, to get that kind of speed. Right, but I saw I him you. doing it and I was like, well, it's possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you, I mean, what advice do you have for people? What, do you, what kind of lesson do you want people to take away from, from your life and your, you know, and you're like, watch, I, or like watching this movie. I mean, you got, you I know. think the lesson, well, just from, more general perspective is follow your passion. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be the most financially successful thing you do, but if you love what you do, that's living the dream. Yeah. Um, and I chased it through thick and thin. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't for, it wasn't for financial reasons or for fame. It was just more that this is what I love doing. And yeah. 
Sometimes I make a lot of money at it. Sometimes I don't make anything. Yeah, yeah. But I still get to do it, so that's fine. It's. I mean, well, it's. I mean, it's really kind of amazing that for forty years, you know, you are still kind of in love with this thing. Oh I mean, yeah, for sure. That's. I mean, that's a real gift, you know. Yeah, I think I. I. I was. Uh, I was skating at my ramp yesterday alone, <laughs> and we were shooting a little video thing, but it was it was pretty minimal. And and I realized like this is. This is what I love doing. Like I'm, I'm just here, on my ramp by myself. Right. You know, trying. I was, I was trying the Sean Penn. It's a trick. Sure. Um, this is, is it, my does happy it involve, place. Uh, hitting on aid workers <laughs> in Haiti. <laughs> it was gonna be like. Is that, that, <laughs> is that what the? No, you know what it is. It, yeah. a, a Sean Penn. This is we're getting deep cuts here, but um, there's a trick called a Madonna. Oh Which wow. I created in uh -huh. 1985. And then it's it's the trick use the front side direction. Were you trying to get her attention and No, I was trying Madonna to make a trick. Me. I was honestly trying to make a trick that that other pros would want to do. And my friend who was a pro skater, he said, Well, you have to name it something trendy. Ah. Uh, and that was nineteen eighty-five. So Madonna, sure. Madonna was the trendiest thing. But right, then right. Uh, but then not long after I learned how to do the trick backside. And so a backside Madonna is a Sean Penn. It's a Sean Penn. They were I see. There you go. I see. That's your that's your skate lesson. <laughs> so, thank you, thank you very much. Um, well, yeah, I mean, do you, is that love of skating like? Is that have you had to like in any way? Is that is it always there? Is it is it always been there? Is my, it something my passion for skating of, is always there. Maybe yeah. not for for my physical act of skating. Yeah, but for skating. Yeah. To see the rise of skating, to see the appreciation of skating, yeah. to see that it has permeated mainstream culture now yeah. is something that I am very excited about and excited that I get to live to see that yeah. and still be part of it. Yeah, because I no, because I mean, I just don't know how, what is the what's the secret to like being in love with an activity for 40 years? Like, is there I think it's just, or is it just. Is it just love? Is it as inexplainable as love? Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess at the core, I'm just a skate rat. So yeah. I grew up doing it at a time when it wasn't cool. I loved everything that I experienced through that. The culture, the music, the, the attitudes, the, the, the pioneers. Yeah. And then to see how those pioneers today are still revered. Yeah. And now skateboarders in the olympics yeah and kids aspire to be professional skateboarders yeah that didn't happen when i was a kid right who wanted to be a pro skateboarder right you're gonna kill yourself to win 50 dollars first place yeah. at a big event like yes yeah wow. <laughs> that's still how i feel about it that's great well tony thank you so much for coming in uh and uh the uh the uh, the documentary is on uh hbo right yes you co-host the podcast Hawk versus Wolf with Jason Ellis. Yep. Who uh, I I know Jason Ellis from because uh, he, he used to go on the Howard Stern show, right. all the time, and right. he just seems like a maniac. He yeah, is and, he still uh, a maniac or you know? um, yes, but he's more refined. Oh yes, a classy I, I, maniac. Maniac would definitely still be a good title for him. <laughs> awesome. Um, but he you know he, he and I grew up skating together, and and even though we're very different. We have a, a lot of um, we have a lot of alignment, and uh, I think that we we play well off each other. So uh, I promise that if you listen to our podcast, you'll laugh. Okay, <laughs> and I mean, and do you guys? Is it just you guys shooting the shit? Or? Uh, yeah, but we also we also have a lot of guests. I guess guests, like um, we just had David Spade on the other day. Oh wow! Uh, Seth Rogen. 
Um, we had uh, we had the Undertaker. Oh wow, that was yeah, pretty cool. The, he the spoke. Wrestler. <laughs> well, yeah, he's you know it happened. Yeah, yeah, it's his brother Kane that didn't speak. So, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, well, Tony, thanks again for uh, for coming out and and hanging with me, and uh, thank you out there for listening. Uh, I'll be back next week. Thank you. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco production. It is produced by Sean Doherty and engineered by Rob Schulte. Additional engineering support by Eduardo Perez and Joanna Samuel. Executive produced by Joanna Solitaroff, Adam Sachs, and Jeff Ross. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Maddie Ogden. Research by Alyssa Grawl. Don't forget to rate and review and subscribe to The Three Questions with Andy Richter wherever you get your podcasts. Can't you tell my loves are growing? Can't you feel it is showing? Must be a This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.